Here we go. Do, 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 do. Yeah. You know, every week I've said I'm going to do a theme song, and I have tried so many, and I don't like any of them. And I'm recording them, and I'm deleting them, and we're going to get there eventually. But at this point, I think it's just the thing that we're going to go on with, where I say I'm going to do it, and then I just sing a little jingle, and then we move on. And this week's no different. So here we are, back again. And I say this every week, but this is probably my favorite episode so far. Nothing against anyone else, but I got to do one with my dad, Andy Zago. And he's got such an interesting, cool life, and he's one of the coolest people I know. And I just wanted to be able to share his story with everyone, but also just dig in deeper between the two of us. And then we also talked about music stuff afterwards and the Beatles and a lot of different things. We'll probably do more of these if you like them, so let us know. Follow us at the link underscore podcast. I'll be posting some cool stuff that he has, some old pictures, some videos, some music that he's done. And uh, yeah, I don't want to go on forever because we talked so much about pretty much everything. So you're going to hear it in three, two, one. Hit the music. Cheers. Cheers. We'll find out how much you can hear us drinking on the recording. Yeah. So where do we begin? I guess, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> uh, I guess let's start with how you got here. Yeah. I was born in uh, Budapest, Hungary in 1953 in June, and I was three years old when the revolution happened. Mm. And my family moved us. We wanted to come to the United States. We have relatives here. How long were they here already? Um, after the war. After the war, my father's family split into different factions. And some went to Europe. A couple went to South America. And Really? Yes. Wow. One aunt actually moved to Manhattan. So she said, if you can get here, you can stay with us. Right. The problem was it was a communist country. And they don't let you leave. You have to escape. So you escape from one communist country to another communist country doesn't really help you. But it gets you physically closer. The yeah. United States wanted to help. So uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, she was very big in uh, humanitarian politics right. later in her life. And she got the government to say, if you can get to Austria, we have bases in Austria. Right. If you can escape and get to Austria, we'll take you and we'll fly you back to they the United States. They flew you over? States. Yes. Wow, I didn't even know. Yeah, we came over guess, on a marine plane. Wow. That makes sense, but you never think about like physically yeah. how people Now, I have no personal recollection of any of Right, this. you were three. Yeah, I was three years old. Uh, but the, what about Uncle Bob? He does. Yeah, he remembers stuff. And my sister as well. I'll have to have him on the pod. Yeah, that would be great. That would be good. So, you don't remember a whole lot, but... Grandma and Grandpa go back even further, I guess. Oh, yeah. My parents had some vast history. <laughs> yeah. So he, well, they were both in the Holocaust. Uh, my well, father escaped during the war. He, he joined a missionary and he went to Africa. But on purpose because he wanted to get out of yeah. there. Yeah. And my mother was taken to Auschwitz. And my mother had a boyfriend, let's say earlier than that but when she came home after the war and my father could finally come back 
Uh, let's go back a little bit. He was My married. father was married and had three daughters. Oh, oh, I didn't even know that. Yes. What? And when this all happened, they took his wife and three daughters. Right. And they were in a concentration camp. Separate? Yes. Oh, because he wasn't? No, he wasn't. He escaped. He was in Africa. So he escaped. They killed his wife and three daughters. I didn't even fucking know that until just now. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, he'd been through a lot. I knew that, but I didn't yeah. know. About, oh, wow. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay. So when he came home, his best friend, my uncle. Uh, Fake uncle. My, no, my real uncle, Avram. Who oh, was, it was. Uh, yeah. His brother. He, it wasn't his brother. It was her brother. Right. So she was kind of like his consolation prize at that time in the communist countries. Your older brother Hook told you up. what you have to do. Right. So she was in love with another man, but wow. she so had, it was it wasn't an arranged marriage, but it was a Jewish version of an arranged yes, marriage. Yes, that's right. Well, Jewish people had arranged marriages way back then to oh, way before I that. I guess yeah. If you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, right, I haven't. That actually, was the whole. Weird. That was the whole thing. They had matchmakers. They Imagine would we just go on for a half hour about Fiddler on the Roof <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True. Uh, okay, but yeah, so, that's how they got together. Right. So. His family dies. They get together. Is she happy about this? Do you, did you ever talk to her about this? My mother was not very forthcoming about, uh, especially about the war. She was would, he? He was more, but he was very hurt by it. Didn't really want to open yeah. up about it. And uh, he kind of always felt that she didn't really love him. Really? Yeah. He would tell me. I wish we had a podcast back then. Yeah. He would, he would come... I was his little, I was his youngest son, but I was his confidant. He would come into my bedroom at night and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. And I do that. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just bare his soul to me. And he, it, to, to a point, he had paranoia. Sure. About everything. Well, he obviously. Says, I mean, you've yeah, been through he, that. He said, if they come and get me, you know, it was because of your mother. Because she didn't really love me, so she had the FBI turn me oh, in. Oh, Jesus Christ, yeah. he was like that? Yeah, he was kind of like that. Not, well, I mean, you not got... loudly, right. but quietly to, you, to me. At night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, he guys got PTSD. He was yeah. in the Holocaust. But what, he, did, I mean... he did love her, and in her own way, she loved him. Of it, course. It wasn't a romance love. Right. But it was a, we're together, we're through this, we, we, we raise kids, you know. Yeah, I mean... It, yeah, they were definitely emotionally tied. Yes. Whether it was romance or not, who knows. Okay, I, I mean, I kind of want to keep going about that, but I have a million things to talk oh, about, sure. so we'll skip that. You learned to speak Hungarian originally because you were three, so you had to have been saying some things. I spoke things. a little Hungarian that I remember. But not, I, mean, I, so I spoke okay. Right. It's just that it faded once you got here. I started to go to school here. I never went to school in Hungary. No preschool, no right. nursery. As a matter of fact, here's a little story for you. I lived in a little house that I don't remember, okay? But these are stories that were told to me. Okay. Uh, we had a backyard with a wooden fence. Behind our house was a nursery school. And being I was the youngest by at least five years, I wasn't really close with my brother and sister. I dug a trench under the fence, and I used to sneak into the nursery school. <laughs> what? <laughs> you snuck into school? Yes. We're going to get to the point where the opposite happens. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what did they do? They turned, they called my parents and right. they had to come get me. <laughs> you know. 
Oh, that's they wouldn't hilarious. Let, they wouldn't let me climb back out. Right. <laughs> that's funny. But I was starved for attention. Right. Sure. So, of course. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. So you're an American now. And you told the story the other day at Grandma's about, uh, what was his name? Zoli. Zoli. Yeah. My father's cousin, Zoli. Okay. So my father's cousins all came to the United States as well. And, and the reason I bring this yeah. up is because... The cousins or other people yeah. were already here first. Yes. So for grandma and grandpa, this was like their, not a shaman, but like the, yeah. this is how you be an American kind of people. Yes. Right. Let's continue. Yeah. So my my aunt was very high class, uh, bougie. Yeah. As, as, as they didn't say then, <laughs> but you would say Bourgeois, now. Bourgeois, they said. Yeah. But my uncle was the opposite of that. Low down and dirty. Zoli. Zoli. Zoltan Sauerbrunn was his name. He got into awesome the, name, by he, the way. Yeah. He was in a used car business. And as I look back on it, slightly uh, criminal activities were going on. Yeah, I don't know how slight. Yeah, yeah, I know that they used to send cars to Puerto Rico. He used to, he used to buy used cars and then ship them to Puerto Rico. And as I remember when I went to visit, there would always be these few guys hanging around inside the office older men yeah. you know like like his entourage let's say yeah and who knows what they really were we do know yeah they were <laughs> i think they were basically a jewish mob yeah but he was a character and he was not very high class and he didn't pretend to be well also we're skipping a little bit he was yeah. a piece of shit right yes yeah i mean let's yeah, just he, say what it is yeah he, he's not gonna listen to this he backed my father in businesses when my father came here at Shylock fees, he would lend. But this him wasn't money. the bakery. This was the bakery. Oh, first okay. it was a candy store, actually. Was, yeah, Alex Zago was a baker for. Yeah, a most, we're skipping past a million things, but whatever, yes. it doesn't matter. He was a baker his whole life, and right. so are you. For yeah, a lot of your life. But we came to the United States. We didn't have any money. He took jobs wherever he could get them, but he wanted his own bakery. Right. So my cousin Zoli comes in and says, "I give you money. You get a bakery. You get. You pay me. Who knows where that money came from? Nobody knows." He, Nobody he's asked. not alive. No, he passed away. He actually, he was very nasty to a lot of people, sometimes to me, sometimes very loving to me, in a weird uncle, yeah. godfather sign kind of way. But he actually was doing good. He was in a, uh, a restaurant, and there was a uh, domestic situation. A guy was slapping around his wife. Uh-huh. And he went to interfere, and the guy stabbed him to death. Yikes. Now I feel bad for saying he was a piece of shit, yeah. but also there just were two sides to it. Yeah. He was shady. Yeah. Did a lot of not great things, and he which we don't have to talk about. But and he wasn't good to his family either. That's kind of what I mean. I yeah. remember his wife was a very fearful, uh, shy, like almost like an abused woman. Yeah. Possibly. The, the point is, it's just an interesting thing because he was kind of shitty and then died doing a good thing. Yeah, but also you only got into that situation because he, he was—he um, wasn't a mobster. That sounds too cool. No, but yeah, <laughs> he, but he kind of was. Yeah, he learned the American ways back in the forties. Yeah, speaking of American you know. ways, you told me the story of he gave you some money or something. Yes, I at sixteen I was a, a kind not wild let's say, but like very enthused young man. We hung around in Russell Sage Park in Forest Hills. It was in the back of a junior high school. Roughly 75 to 100 people hung around this school every, the every night. It yeah. was the place to be. Yeah. 
and I got arrested because the cops were clearing out the park and everybody was cursing them. Sure. And I was the guy in the back with the long hair. So they grabbed me as an example. You're profiled. And, yeah. So they arrested me. My parents were away that summer. On My father used to take jobs at camps upstate New York yeah. as the baker for the camp. So they were away for the whole summer. I was staying with my brother, and my brother didn't care what I did, so I just hung around at night. And How went, much older is he than you? Six years? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. Okay. So he was in his early tw- mid-20s, so early 20s. So he was 20s. fully in yeah. I don't give a fuck mode. Yeah. Yeah. I come home every couple of days and check in. Right. That's it. And uh, so I got arrested. Wait, but what about grandma? She went with him? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. They, they gave them a, a bungalow. So they would spend the summers upstate did New they, York. Did they? It was like a paid vacation. Yeah, I don't blame them for going. Yeah. Did they think that Uncle Bob or Ann would care where you were? Did they know, like, he's going to run off and do whatever he wanted? Uh, kind of. They, they kind of know me by then. It I was, was a different al- time anyway. By then, I was already out in, in the streets, let's say. I mean, that sounds you know, much more No, not than living in the streets, <laughs> right. but, you know, I was out all the time. Right. You came around. home to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Anyway, so back to the Zoli thing. Yeah. So I got arrested. My brother didn't want to be part of that. He was like, yeah, you got arrested. It's your problem. And he you know? did, what is he going to do? Right. My parents money. weren't around. Neither did I want to call them. Right. <laughs> so I went to court, and the officer wasn't there, so they postponed it. Yeah. I went a second time like a month later. Again, the officer wasn't there. Classic. Postponed it. The third time, I said, well, I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. So the, <laughs> two days later, I got a notice. There's a warrant out for my arrest. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it works. So I turned myself in. I went up to the Queens Criminal Court, and they gave me a legal aid lawyer. And he says, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to plead guilty. Uh, first offense, no big deal. You right. know, they'll, you'll get off, no right. problem. But you have to go down to the holding pen until the judge will see you. And it's Friday of Memorial Day weekend. So if the judge doesn't see you by 4 o'clock... You're there till Tuesday. You go to Rikers till Tuesday. Yeah, no. For, for literally... <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. But this is how the system worked and probably still, still does. Yes. So I go down to the holding pen and there's very questionable characters in here. I'm sure. You know, I walk in, I have my Marlboro filter cigarettes, which they didn't... At that time, there was no such thing in jail. Right. In jail, all you could get was camels or luckies. Which is why you see in movies and stuff, I've never been there, but why cigarettes are traded in jail as currency, because they're rare. Yep. Yeah. So the guys all come at me like, you know, you got filter cigarettes? (laughs) Right. You know, they're yours. (laughs) Take it. We're friends now. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. So I finally did get to see the judge. On Friday. Yeah. So you didn't really On Friday. I didn't. But it was terrifying. It was terrifying nonetheless. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the legal aid lawyer goes through his thing. I'm thinking, ah, that's over. I'm out. Good. I'm ready for the weekend. Right. And the judge says, that's a $50 fine. You have $50? I says, no. He says, you have 48 hours. Jeez. Or whatever, 72 because it was Memorial Day weekend. So uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I called my cousin, my uncle. uncle. I called him my uncle, but he was my father's cousin. once removed or whatever, yeah. So I call him up. I says, I got into a little trouble. I need $50 to post my, you know, yeah. to pay my Yeah, because you know fine. he's got money. Yeah, right. 
Because he gave my father money all the time. Yeah, and his wife is, is yeah. you know, diva. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he says, okay, I come up, come to the Bronx, because he was in the Bronx. I had to take the train and go up there. I wasn't driving yet. And he says, I give you $50. You work for me for one week. It's a good I deal. Said, a week? <laughs> and he says, yes. I said, okay, because every time I've been with him, I'm in the air-conditioned office. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's nice and cool. No he deal. buys bagels for breakfast. Everything's great. Sure. You know, so he gave me the money, paid the fine. I went to, took the train, went to work for him. He says, okay, you go outside, and you see these six cars here? You wax these cars. Don't come back till he's done every day work. for a week yeah. in the hot sun. Kind of so, fair, though. So for $50. Right. So I'm, like, fuming inside. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this guy is horrible. He just like really abused me for right. free labor. Yeah. So at the end of the week, he says, well, you did pretty good. You want a job? I said, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> so he says, all right, I'll give you a job. I said, but I need to take care of some stuff before I can come out every day. I have to get, you know, because I have to travel. Sure. Can, can you lend me some money? He says, you know, he, so he gave me, I don't remember if it was 100 or $150 Something. at that point. So he fronted me the money. Signing bonus. Yes. And I went home and quickly called him back and told him, fuck you. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you made uh, me slave labor for a week. <laughs> yeah. Your own relative. So yeah, I'm not coming to work you for you. You scammed him. Yeah. So he calls me in a couple of days later. He says, pretty smart kid. He says, I still want you to work for me. <laughs> it almost, <laughs> you can tell that's how he was a criminal. Yeah. Because you scammed him and he was like, all right, respect. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of so cool. I actually wound up working for him for maybe a year. <laughs> what a funny origin. Yeah. But that was my experience with my cousin Zoli. Hilarious. Rest in peace, I guess. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's so many stories. I wish we could do like a million of these. We'll probably do this again eventually, but yeah. I want to move on and talk about other stuff. So now you're late teens. Yeah. And high school is existing, but you don't give a shit. It's not for me. Plus the fact that I was in junior high school in uh, Astoria, Steinway Junior High, which was a decent school for a public New York school. Right. And I was I was not doing great because I was a clown. Well, you were checked out. Yeah, but I did okay. It's not that you weren't yeah. smart. It's just that you just didn't want to be there. Yeah, and I got into Bryan High School, which was also a good school in Queens. But my parents' bakery failed, sold the bakery, sold the house, moved to Kew Gardens into an apartment. Yeah, I was going to say, because that's not the high school you went to. Yeah, no. So we moved. And we lived in Kew Gardens, but I was in the south end of Kew Gardens, so my school district was Richmond Hill. Right. Richmond Hill was a fairly bad school. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember in the late like, 60s. Bad meaning like academically or like violent? No, both. Okay. Both. In the late 60s, we had the SDS, Student Democratic Society, would come and they chained the doors shut. What? You know, police action like, all the time. Like, remember the Titans type shit. Yes. You, you, are you talking about this racially charged stuff, or or just for not the fact especially? That it was, it was New just York? yeah, it was just New York stuff, and it was happening in high schools a lot of places, but mostly the integrated places. Yeah. And then we would have fights with Franklin Lane. I mean, you know, not me. I was with the musician, so right. I stayed away from all of that business. 
the jocks though were involved, you know, and the in the people who were politically charged, which I was not. Right. I went to anti-Vietnam demonstrations Did you in really? Manhattan. Yeah. It's like hard for me to believe because you'd never been political until Donald Trump was elected. Yeah. At that time, who you're a huge fan of, by the way. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. No, uh, not a huge fan. Continue. Yeah. So yeah, I wasn't politically charged, but I knew that the war was killing my not my friends personally, but right. my friends' older brothers, your peers. Yeah, and my brother was in the army, and he right. just got lucky that he got stationed in Germany. Yeah. You know. So did and, he learn to fly in the army? No. Really? No. He That's learned so to fly weird. on his own. Boy, are his arms tired. He's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he flies cool uh, like two-seater planes. Here's a funny story. He's a computer analyst and he does systems for people. Well, he he does less of that now. But sure. for for his most of his career, he devised systems for companies. He went to a job at a company called Turtle and Hughes. Okay. An accounting company. And they were one of the first ones to go computers. He stole the books the instruction manuals he taught himself how to run computers he wow. never learned in school he never learned in a computer place you guys really are like you're not gangsters <laughs> yeah. but you're like jewish immigrant gangsters for but this because this, this is was the, way, the was. way we were what today would be called poor people <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to come up with something profound there. <laughs> I was trying to, but it's just not in my head. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. definitely. We, were, we right. were the lower class. Right. Even amongst my friends, I would stay with my friends because they knew I didn't have, I didn't have regular meals. I we, mean, you, also, it's yeah. perspective. Uh, think about how we started this conversation. You were happy to be there and be alive. Yes. So, well, I wasn't, but well, my parents because yeah, yeah, but they were. Yes, that was they already achieved the goal, and their their idea of better life was have jobs and not have to give away all your money yeah. to the government, which is which generational, some. but also the immigrant mentality. Yeah. That's what it is. But my parents worked twelve to fifteen hours a day. Right, they weren't home. My sister tells me that she took care of me, that she raised me. I don't remember this. She was supposedly in charge of me, but I don't think so. She did stuff. She did. She helped, you know. She was home. Well, she was de she was de facto mother. I mean, she yes. was the only other female. Yes, she so was. Of yeah, she was. Because my mother wasn't home till night. And also Uncle Bob was either in the army or right. he was doing his own thing. Yeah, he yeah. was he was kind of a 50s, like a grease kind of guy. <laughs> that, I mean... But no, not with ridiculous. the leather jacket, <laughs> because we couldn't afford one. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, he had the f 1950 Oldsmobile that he bought before he had a license. Our houses were row houses. They were all connected, sure. the whole block. And we had little, small backyards. And between our block and the next block, which had the backyard, so backyards faced each other, and there was an alley in between. Right. That you could walk th all the way through the whole block. Right. So we used to play in the alley. And all the kids that were on the block. Yeah. And my brother <laughs> put his car in the alley uh -huh. and worked yeah. on it to, to get it on the road. And at night, he would take my father's plates off his car, put it on his own car, and, and drive, drive around. around. <laughs> Did he know? Did Grandpa know? He caught him once. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I know we're all over the place. There's a good chance yeah. that we're not even finishing stories. And when yeah. I'm editing this, I'm going to go, Where, <laughs> what are we doing? But... Uh, didn't he you burn down the bedroom at some I point? I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I had my own room upstairs, and then for some reason, my room was like a closet. It was tiny. 
really tiny. It was like a walk. What today would be a walk-in closet. Right, but I this could is fit what a bed and a tiny dresser, and that's it. Right. Uh, later on, my brother came home, and I would share the basement with him, and he would go out every night. So I'd be alone, and uh, I would caught on to his uh, adult magazines. <laughs> okay. And. Up the stairs was the kitchen, so my mother would come down for a drink or something, so I couldn't uh, leave the light on because okay. she'd see it under the door. Candles. So, yeah, so I used candles. Sure. <laughs> and at one point I Very heard... Very romantic, by the yeah, way. <laughs> and at one point I heard somebody... Oh, now, I'm, I'm 10 years old, maybe 11. Okay. And I heard somebody. I freaked out. I shoved the candle under the bed. <laughs> so dumb. Brilliant. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now, so now the... The, the bed, bed starts on up on fire, so I'm so smart. I pick the bed up and put it up against the wall, <laughs> and okay. go in the belt in the washroom in the basement and get cups of water, and I'm pouring cups of water <laughs> on it. You're the stupidest firefighter of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So now I panic and I run upstairs to my parents' bedroom and, they're and home. I said, "Yeah, I said there's a fire downstairs," <laughs> and they came down and you know, so they called the fire department and the fire department destroyed the house, broke every window in the oh, house. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Part. That's what they did in those days. Why? Well, now they know not to do that because that increases the fire. What's well, just in, so This was in the early '60s, and it was in the basement. So I guess they wanted to make yeah. sure there were smoke exits and whatever yeah. the hell. They broke every window in the house, <laughs> poured the uh, water into the house, what? so every carpet was destroyed. They didn't, what, uh, did, this is a really stupid question. Did fire extinguishers not exist? Well, it was downstairs in the basement. I guess they weren't running down. I guess. They were trying to alleviate the spread. To make sure it didn't go yeah. past And it did. The house didn't burn down. Right. The basement was burned. Right. Also, the basement was Uncle Bob's room and where he lived, mm -hmm. but he was uh, away in the Army at the time? Or no? He might have been. Don't remember the yeah, exact details of that. I yeah. think no, because I think he was in the Army when I was already a teenager. Oh, okay. So it was before. Like 13 or 14, because he came home on leave, and I was in my uh, high school junior high school talent show, and he came <laughs> to see me. He was like so impressed. Playing music? Yeah, playing music with my first love, another girl who played music, and they put us together. And uh, I fell in love. She did not. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. 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 So he wasn't home all the time. Wait. So was he pissed? He was pissed. My yeah. family didn't talk to me for weeks on end. Your uh, grandpa must have wanted to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. Yeah. I mean, was... you did burn down the house. So kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's pivot to the music thing that we, that we got there naturally. Um, you've played music forever. Yeah. I started. At like 10 years old, I was playing. We had a big, uh, one of those big armchairs with, with heavy padded arms. Uh -huh. And I would use chopsticks and as <laughs> drumsticks and hit the padded arms. Right. And then when I got really smart, I went into the kitchen and I got one of these baking, flat baking pans. Right, because Grandpa had around. a million pans. Yeah. And I would put nails in it. And that was my symbol. <laughs> so ghetto <laughs> but it worked it, it continues okay and then i finally i wanted to play i knew i wanted to play drums i always wanted to play drums uh, my father took me and he bought me a snare drum in this uh, little little rinkety music store yeah it was blue sparkle which is my favorite color okay <laughs> and he bought me a snare drum and i'm like this is amazing i have a snare drum so 
I saved up a lot of money, and a lot of money to me was $14. And I went <laughs> okay. down, I took the train. Now, I had been taking the train since I'm 12 years old, and that's what we did in those days. We went to Manhattan. I used to go in the village and walk around and was amazed at all the stuff. I was. I went to the Cafe Wa until they threw us out. Right. You know, we walked around everywhere. And, and music it. was also just, I mean, not to say it's not popular now, but yeah. it was the thing in that yeah. neighborhood at the yeah. time. When the Beatles came out, it all tore everything up. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. Now. So, yeah, I had the snare drum. And then I'm walking, which I did quite a bit, to Astoria because I didn't have anything to do. If my friends weren't around, I'd just walk around. Right. And I saw underneath this uh, little overpass bridge a bass drum. Like, it wasn't a bass drum like in a drum set. It was like a marching band bass drum. Oh, okay. And it was sitting in a puddle. Oh, so you're just talking about on the street, not in a store. Yeah, on the street. So, like, I look at it. It's a freaking bass drum. Yeah. I'm like, wow. What a deal. <laughs> and I picked it up, and the bottom was flat because it was like, sitting in the right, rain. Right, like a flat tire, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I carried it home. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I had a snare drum and a flat bass drum. That was waterlogged. Well, you know what was great? It didn't roll. <laughs> you could have rolled it home, though. Yeah. Yeah, I could have. <laughs> Every time it hit. Yeah, so I got a pedal, right? a cheap pedal used, and I had a bass drum, a snare drum, and a cymbal. I was all set, so, and that's when I joined my first band. I don't mean to skip past it, but yeah. you play drums, but you didn't long-term play drums. No, I played drums for a year and a half. Right, and then how did you get to the bass? Okay, so my friend Rich Rollo, who lived down on Shout the same out to Rich, street, we'll make him listen yeah. to this. On the same street, he had a little band, and now me and my friend Phil from school, we played together all the time. He was like a a real nerdy guy, but a great guy. Respect that. Yeah, loved him, and we were good friends. We were both Jewish. Rich Rollo was not. He went to Catholic school and all of that. Oh, you didn't even go to the same yeah. school. No, well, no, you meet I each just other? knew just from the neighborhood. Yeah, from the block. Okay, yeah, and so I joined his band. We actually played my sister's engagement party, and I have a film of it. Actually, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we had that band, and what happened was we never had a bass player. It was just two guitars and the drums, right. and it just didn't fit. Yeah. So Rich wanted me to play bass, so he said, "I want you to play bass. I have another drummer." Okay. Who has real drums. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah, fair enough. They're kind of pushy, but at the same time, he says, I'll teach you. Well, two years before, yeah. you were so also he got, playing a, a pan and a nails. Yes. So, fair enough. So, yeah. he got a new guitar. So, he taught me to play on his old guitar, and he let me use that. But he taught you to play bass on the guitar. On four strings. the top four, four strings are yes. the same for people who don't same, know Same, just an octave about. higher. Sure. So, it wasn't truly deep bass. No, but it's the same notes and the same frets right. and the same strings. So, I learned, and I learned how to play. And I learned even a little guitar at that point. Uh, yeah, because you're actually playing a guitar. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So then we actually got gigs. But how'd you get a bass? I didn't. He borrowed a bass from other friends of his. Did he quote unquote borrow it? Or did no, he no, he borrow actually it? borrowed <laughs> okay. it. Bass and an amp. And uh, we, we had a gig. I remember in 1967, which was the big year for music, we had our first paid a job in awesome. Astoria in a Jewish so Bethel it moved pretty quick Jewish you, center you, how old were you then 14 oh, okay so yeah. you're it's all within two years you're moving fast yeah, yeah. so people would hire 14 year olds to play for money church yeah and church dances and uh that's this, cool this was a temple so it was whatever occasion right. it was I don't even I mean remember. it's awesome but that, I have I, pictures of that as well oh well we'll get yeah. them 
it's hard to believe that that would happen now. Uh, that people would no, hire fourteen-year-olds and pay them. They occasionally, maybe, but yeah, in churches there's no paperwork and stuff like that. Yes, you know, we played. You know, even once I'm in eighteen and nineteen, we played church dances all the time. Those were our most steady right, jobs. Right. So you you did this. I mean, once that starts, yeah, you're fourteen, fifteen. Once you start playing gigs, yeah, you do that until you're twenty. Well, or? I I did it until. Yeah, probably in early 20s, and then I had to get regular job. And I don't want to bury the lead. Yeah. You were literally, I don't want to say you're a professional musician. No, but, not but, at all. But, but we did gigs. We it's had your some, profession, though. Yeah, we That's had how gigs. you're making money. We you, had some bar toured. bar gigs, too, even though we were underage. Yeah, you're not doing, like, traveling tours, but no. you're doing gigs that are paying yeah. you, and that's your job. That's right. Is that not a professional musician? That, of course it is. Professional musician is somebody who makes a living at playing. That was your living. It wasn't, you were, weren't it making a lot of money. It wasn't my only living. I, I worked. I always worked. But that's, uh, yeah. a million people are doing that. Yeah. I, anyway, I, mean, I just think it's cool. You were able to live yeah. by doing gigs. But what, what happened is, after that famous gig, I found out my parents were selling the house and everything, so now I have to quit the band. Wait, how did they feel about all this? Who, how did how did grandma parents? and grandpa feel about you doing music in general? First of all, and being out all the time and doing my music. My father liked that I was active in something, but they were cool with it. They weren't they like were okay. stop doing this and get a no, job. No, no, because I was too young yet. I guess when but once I got, you turn eighteen, that's... well, here here is the story of that. When I moved, I was sixteen. What do you mean when you moved? When my family moved to, to Kew Gardens, Gardens right. and I went to Richmond Hill High School. I met my second uh, buddy, Bob Esposito. Oh, yeah, and funny Bob. Yeah, so we were, we were steps buddies. We okay. used to sit on the church <laughs> steps. I used to bring a radio, and we used to sit and listen to music and cut out of classes. And he was your best friend for years. Yes. I mean, more than best yeah, friend. And I, were, I, I, stole him from, I stole him from another friend who was in, one of, in a couple of my classes, Richie Carnese, who I'm still in touch with yeah. today, and... Took him out of his band, made him join my band, and then we we broke up my band and we started our own band. You and Bob had more, uh, well, I don't know. I guess I should ask you. You guys had more success, quote-unquote yeah. success, you and Bob. Later, the, yeah. You put out an album yeah. of music. Okay. You recorded. You, you had yeah. equipment. You, this well, we, wasn't a rinky-dink I'm playing at it. No, no offense, it but started you weren't rinky, playing at a church. It started totally rinky-dink. Right. And we were playing rock music and loud and stuff. And his uncle, who ha who owned a yacht club in Howard Beach, also a little kind of in the in the uh, profession, as they say, <laughs> Italian mob, his uncle. real mob. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we used to play there when when he let us. We used to spend Christmas there. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yep. Yeah. So you guys were really close. Yeah, we were best friends, musician buddies. Uh, we go out at night together. I feel like, I don't know if this yeah. is real, Yeah. but I thought he was so funny when I was a kid. Uh, he, he was he funny. He is funny. He is really yeah. funny. And I still think I took some of my, uh, well, attempt at comedy from him. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep going. You, so you guys had more legitimate. You guys got more yeah. legitimate together. Yeah. Yeah, we were together, and then we separate for a little while, but always wound up going back together. We got to post the YouTube videos. Yes. Yeah, we'll post. And then music. in seven in nineteen seventy five. Okay, so now I'm uh, twenty three, twenty two, twenty three. Right. We got together with these two other guys who were in different bands in the neighborhood. We met them at church dances. We were rival bands. So we said, "This music, this dance, disco thing." is starting to get popular. 
why don't we just get together? We know what we're doing. We'll do this disco music, and we'll just make money. Yeah. We rented out a storefront. We practiced. We learned 30 songs, and it was enough for four sets. And we started working. We got an agent, and we worked four nights a week for the next four years. And that's all we did. Nobody had day jobs. We just worked at music. We, that's my professional music career. That's what I'm saying. So you were literally a professional musician. Yeah. There's no ifs, ands, or buts in about those, it. In those years, You weren't yeah. on MTV and selling out arenas, no. but you, you, this is your job. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we had that band, and we did well, and then the disco thing kind of died out, right. and the keyboard player started writing original material, and we went to a recording studio out on Long Island in Farmingdale, and what they did, they had students who were learning how to be engineers and stuff. So they would need bands. So they would let us record in their studio for free with their students. Right. Some of the recordings, the students screwed up. Well, that's But what some it of is. them were good, and they were free for us. Right. So we did it's all original. Trade. We had a couple of showcases in the city. I actually got a recording gig with a country artist. Really? I don't even remember who it was at I this point. I never even heard the story. Yeah. Somebody came up to me out of the showcase and said, uh, I need a bass player for this, what this bass recording. What bass were you playing at the time? I was playing a Fender. Okay. Yeah, just a straight Fender Precision. Right. You know, nothing fancy. It was a good one, but yeah. it wasn't fancy. And uh, But so you guys I, were making enough to afford good equipment. Yes. I don't want to make yeah. it seem like you're still playing fucking no, no. Yeah. drums in the street. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? No, you're, we had real equipment. You had real stuff, like yeah. a lot of equipment. I yeah. remember, I mean... Even later, yeah. in Flushing, we had a, a whole yeah. recording room. Right. Well, that, that right. I did later because uh, once I got married, I mean, the music, the music thing died in probably 1981. The band stopped in 1980. I was playing with two guys from the band, not my friend Bob, in a wedding band. Whilst taking a managing job in a bagel store that occupied a lot of time, so I did it both for probably a year, and then I hated playing weddings because yeah. they were always the same. You felt it going boring. downhill. Yeah. So I, I quit that. I stopped playing, and the career took over. So music took a sidestep for a couple of years. And then Mama walks through the door. Yeah. Well, she took her sister's job. Right. When and her Jane sister, yeah, her. Janie, yeah, her sister Janie worked for me since day one, right. since we opened the store. And then she got a job with the telephone company, and your mother she worked at the bagel store sister. down the road, right. had a fight with the owner. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she had a fight with the owner, who was also her neighbor. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So she took the job that Janie left, so huh. she worked with me. And we were friends for a number of years, and it just it developed. And here I am. Yeah. And once we got married, I was more of a music collector and right. you know that kind of guy, but... At some point when you were born, I started wanting to play again. So I, I got a little four-track recorder. So you were only not playing for not even a decade? No, about seven to eight years right. not playing at all. And then I started recording stuff, and I was still in touch with my friend Bob. So I said, I got this recording that I made on a four-track. It's not great, but it's okay. Yeah. But I need a guitar, and I play guitar. But I don't play your kind of guitar. No, he's good. I need a good guitar player. So he yeah. came over and he played my cheesy guitar. This is when those YouTube videos are made. Yes. Uh, and we'll post them and yeah, check out the links in, in the description. This was in uh, 1990 or 89 into 90. Yeah. 
into 91, actually. I was the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I built the recording studio piece by piece in a spare bedroom in our house in, in Flushing. Flushing. right. And we did all our recordings at home, but actually we borrowed the money from my boss Claudia. for the equipment. Rest yeah. in peace. Because uh, I had a four-track, but we knew it wasn't good enough for real recording. Right. So we needed an eight-track with so a mixer. So you were always, your whole, through Grandpa and through you, the whole yeah. story is is uh, you have a good idea. Yeah. You want to work hard and follow through with it. Yeah. And you need someone to pay you to do it. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, someone pay me to do this. It's just funny that... But you have to work your way into it. Like, of course. Like we did. We played music for a number of years. We made a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. Right. But it didn't, it didn't happen until we actually quit everything else and put our lives into it. Yeah. My problem was I was a romancer. Of course. I would want, always wanted to be in love. Yeah. And that always stood in the way of the music. Well... It kind of did because I did. I let it. Well, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, it was a choice. It yeah. didn't stand in the way. You made a conscious choice to do this instead of that. Right. Maybe there was no way to do both. Because yeah. the same way as I was a single guy and I was on the wild side. Right. But I, I had a decent job and I maintained well, my job. Well, also you're playing gigs. You're out till three in the morning. You're drinking, whatever. Right. I mean, that's, that's the life. Yeah. So, you so know, that has to go away. Once I got married, I was like, I can't do both of these things. Right. I have to, so, you know, I stopped my carousing, stopped my drinking, lost a couple of good friends. Sure. Because they didn't want to stop their stuff, and they felt I was... Uh, Selling out. Yeah, hypocrite. Yeah. As a, in a way. But I said, them. well, you know what? Why should I ruin my life to this stay and life. hang out with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, I'm you said yourself... trying to build something. Yeah. You also said yourself, yeah. you, you felt it going down. Yeah, right. You knew that it was time for another thing. Yeah. I wasn't willing enough to put everything on the side for my music. And the only people who really make it are the people who put everything aside for but, their music, unless they're really lucky ones. But that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's also just realizing the right time. Yeah. Th there, are, there are a lot of musicians that are your age that kept going and never did anything, and now they're probably like, man, I wish I had a family or whatever the fuck. Absolutely so, are. I, I know a couple... Off the top of my head, right. yes. I don't want to mention names, no, but, but I know them, yeah. But so it's it's not that one stood in the way of the other. It's just that it's... I didn't want that life. Right. You could have had it, though. I didn't. And especially once you came around, right. I said, I have to be an influence. Right. I can't be, I can't be so much a not-influence. <laughs> <laughs> True. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> Let's take a break, and sure. then uh, we'll come back on the other side and do more music stuff. So Sounds good. Stay tuned. So we left off at a random spot, but I wanted to save time to talk about non-you music because that's 90% of our conversations probably. Yeah. And I want to touch on at least the Beatles. You mentioned them before. Silly question. I guess I've never asked it to you. Is that your favorite band ever? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't uh, have to think about it. Boom. Maybe not the best band ever. My favorite band ever. That's fair. Yeah, and to me, they're the best band ever. Right. But not to the world, possibly. Uh, I think most of the world would even agree. Well, they'd uh, be right. <laughs> yeah. I don't... <laughs> it's it's definitely like, if there were a ranking of who most people thought was the best band, yeah. they're the number one. They came over when you were how old? I was 10. When they first... When I first heard them... When Beatlemania first yes, really got I was already listening to music all the time, and at night... 
I had a little transistor radio about the size of a pack of cigarettes. Oh, wow. And I would, again, hide it from my parents, like the candle in the previous <laughs> section. <laughs> yeah. I would put it under my pillow. Okay. So they couldn't hear it, so but I would hear it. Muffled through a pillow. And I remember in uh, December of 1963 hearing, and uh, this is a new record from the Beatles. And I'm like, Beatles? Beetle Bailey? There was <laughs> a cartoon <laughs> in the Sunday papers really? called Beetle Bailey about an army guy who was a misfit. Really? Yeah. And that's the only thing that brought to my head. You're like, wow, he started doing music? Yeah. <laughs> So I didn't, because on the radio, you don't know how it's spelled. Sure. Because the other one was spelled like the e. insect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I heard that, and it was like, what is this? This is so weird. But that was early. Yeah. What What could that have even been? Uh, I want to hold your hand. Please, please me kind of. Yeah. Please, era. please me was before that, but I want to hold your hand was but that the first thing in America. Yeah, and also I say that because early Beatles is such a stark difference from late Beatles that it's... Well, well, to me, to me, the Beatles were like Beethoven and Chopin and Mozart and Gershwin. How so? They, because they invented new styles all the time. Right. Oh, you mean in terms of they were the trendsetters of era, every era? Yes. Every era in between 62, 63, and 70, they just kept changing. So yeah. they were leading everyone else. Pretty and recently, I did a, a full, I listened to all the albums. I think we talked about it, but I went back in chronological order and did the whole discography. In my head, or in a lot of people's heads probably, you think of the one switch around Sgt. Pepper time where they went from, not poppy, but yeah. like cheesy, you know, that was the style. The yeah. I want to hold your hand kind of Beatles. Yeah. And then Sgt. Pepper comes, and then you just think of like the, the drug-fueled, yeah. more psychedelic, modern yeah. Beatles stuff. See, the difference is... To you, the early Beatles was cheesy, poppy stuff. Right. To me, it was the Beatles were the new thing. Right. When they came out, it was like, this almost sounds like the Everly Brothers mixed with Chuck Berry, mixed with something else I've never heard. Right. That was innovative in itself. The Beatlemania thing was new. That was, I mean, yeah. it was I new. guess you had already seen it with Elvis. Ex we saw it a little bit with Elvis, but not nearly as much as the not Beatles. Not like this, yeah. Yeah, and for my parents' generation, even though they weren't here right. in America, but Frank Sinatra was the same way. Right, right, right. They were the next mega But the Beatles star. were ten times that. Yeah, and the reason I said that about the transition yeah. is not that I believe that, but that's yeah. the general perception. And then when I went yeah. back and listened to all of them, yeah. I realized as a music fan who loves to dissect all these things, yeah. that... All of the albums, every album actually had a little bit of evolving to it. Oh, yeah. I recommend going back and listening to the albums and not just popular Beatles songs. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people don't do that, but every album really has its own identity. And not that long ago, a friend of mine and I tried to come up with top five Beatles songs. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah, and so it was like 2 in the morning last night, and I'm like, oh, we should do this on the podcast. So I wrote you a post-it and left it yeah. on your chair for yep. the morning. And uh, asked you to do it, but it's super, super hard. Before we do that, do you have a favorite? I didn't even ask you to come up with this, so this is yeah. live. Do you have a favorite album? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. It probably depends on the day. I know. It's but the same creatively, thing. you would think Sgt. Pepper? Yeah. But I think Revolver before Sgt. Pepper. It's ridiculous that you said that. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. 
Also Rubber Soul, I think. Rubber it, Soul was a big change from before. That's why I like it. But it was still basic, you know, band plus a couple of extra instruments here and there. Right. Uh, a little different on the styles of songs. But you felt Revolver, Revolver was just changed altogether. Yeah. It changed the whole dynamic. Revolver felt like they took the training wheels off. Yeah. And they were like, how crazy are we going to get? I don't know. As crazy as we could possibly get. Yeah. And Revolver has Taxman, Got to Get You Into My Life. Right. Yellow Submarine, believe oh, it yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah, right. And a lot, of, a lot of great songs, you know. Yeah, and it's all over the map. Yeah, there's it's everywhere. It's, Tomorrow Never Knows is probably the most adventurous song ever created. Revolver not only changed from the other albums, but changed inside of its own album. Yes. There was such varying stuff on that album that mm-hmm. it, they must have consciously decided that each track had to be a different thing. Yeah, well, subsequently, I've learned things about them and about how they recorded they were always interested in the recording process. They were never allowed to take part in the early days. Why? Because in England, only white suit engineers were allowed in the engineering room, the mixing room. What does that mean? What does white suit engineers mean? They act literally wore white coats like doctors. Like a doctor? Yes. Why? Because that's what the policy was in England. So it was very... Uh... Yeah. Stuck up. Yeah. You weren't allowed in the room. You had to listen to playback in the studio where you were. But as they got more popular, they kept pushing. And they said, no, we want in. It makes you wonder, or makes me wonder, what they were doing in rehearsals, even in the early days. Yeah. Because this stuff wasn't... They knew that they could do this. Yeah. They just had to put out... I don't want to say just poppy stuff, but mm-hmm. they had to put out stuff that sounded that way yeah. at that time. And also, their whole career only lasted, what, nine? S- uh, Recording-wise, seven years. Seven years. Uh, otherwise, ten years. And they put out a dozen albums. Yeah. So that's just ridiculous in itself. But it also makes you realize that these switches that they had yeah. weren't because they grew up and did different things. Mm-hmm. It was because they got popular and realized that they could push the boundaries more. Right. And the early albums were done between tours. They were constantly touring. Yeah, they never stopped. They it's no wonder have they time. broke up. They would write songs on the tour and then have like 24 hours to work them out in the studio. That's crazy. And get them recorded Five hours here, next week, another five hours. Oh, we have a free spot. Let's go in now. There wasn't a lot of prep work involved. Do you think that was work ethic and what they wanted to do or the labels saying, you need this is so popular, you need to go, go, yeah, go, go? They were they were led in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, the first album, Please Please Me, was done in 12 hours. The entire album. Was recorded in 12 hours. Recorded, yeah. That's it was ridiculous. From beginning, it was basically most of their stage act. So they knew the material they did inside a, they out. They almost kind of just did a concert and recorded it. If you listen to the last song on a Please Please Me album, which is Twist and Shout, yeah. you can hear John's throat ripped to shreds. Because they did the whole thing in one day. Yes. He could barely get it out. And wow. that's what created that excitement. Raspy screaming. That yeah. screaming. That's so funny. Like that- he couldn't do it in concert as well. Yeah, the song wouldn't be what it is yeah. without that I, right. you have to wonder what it would have sounded like i wonder if you hear them do it live obviously you can't now but yeah. back in the day if they did that song early in a set it wouldn't sound the same as probably on the album probably not yeah, yeah which is funny yeah and uh, they did it live and they did it well oh of course i'm sure he can emulate yeah. it but it's just a funny thing i'll have to go back and listen to it now that you say that so yeah so the top five 
I we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah. I have mine. I have mine. You want to go back and forth? We could. I don't I didn't do 54321. I just did Neither a list. Neither did I. I did them chronologically. Oh, you're better than me. But the last one is my favorite one. So let's start there. Strawberry Fields Forever. It's your favorite song? Yeah. The fact that uh, they took this song, which was actually two separate recordings at different uh, keys and different speeds. Really? Yes. The acoustic part was very quick and fast. And then the electric part was slower. That's why it has this dreamy sound. Yes. They said, John Lennon actually said, George, George Martin, their producer, I want you to put these two together. Uh, but they're different speeds. Yeah. They're different keys. Just fucking do it. But you can do it. You're a magic man. You yeah. can do anything. And he did. And he did. He put them together. You, you can, can hear John's voice lower than its natural tone. Because they lowered that speed to match the other one. Ah. So it's not quite what he would have normally sung, ah. but it's perfect for this song. I didn't know that. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, that reminds me of uh, a lot of times Zeppelin would do multiple guitar tracks and yes. mix them down into one thing, and that's why they have that crazy Jimmy Page sound. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I will start with mine. This Again, it's so hard. I mean... Like you said before about the albums, every day, depending on my mood, this whole, all yeah. five of these could change. But I put down Yesterday. yesterday. It could be my favorite one. I'm not sure. Yeah. I also all loved the movie. I think we watched it together. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, it was really good. And maybe that's part of the reason why I wrote it down, but I just love that song. So that was on top of mine. But also, I couldn't really decide between my top two. And While My Guitar Gently Weeps is definitely on there, too. I think great George song. Harrison is probably my favorite Beatle. Uh, I, I see that. I don't agree. You're Paul for you. Yeah. Paul and John. Yeah. Both. Both the I feel same. like you have more of a connection to Paul for some reason. Because he kept on where John kind of drifted away. Sure. He, you know, his solo career had moments of genius and uh, a lot of, although Paul had some weird yeah, seasons I mean, oh. where he was kind of irrelevant. Well, we have a conversation every single week about Paul McCartney. Yeah. But John... Actually quit music Right At one point He just like stopped And his career went nowhere And when he came back He was tremendous again Right For two months Until he passed away Yeah Tragic But that's also part of the story You know That's part of what makes it interesting Kind of It's sad But George for me is I think part of the reason Is not only because I love the way he plays guitar And he just looked cool With the hippie look I always thought that was the coolest (laughs) In some of the videos the long hair and playing the sitar. I just thought it was all so interesting. He was the most interesting Beatle. Yeah, he was. He was. That's why he's my favorite. And also, I'm assuming most people know the name George Harrison, Most even non-music fans, but he is the unsung Beatle. He's the fourth most popular, just because Ringo's name is funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, sure. obviously it's John and Paul, but that's why I just love George. So that song to me was George going, I'm going to show off. Okay? Yeah. You guys do everything. <laughs> this is my song. And it just, it made me go, this guy can fucking rock. Interesting story. They didn't really like the song. Really? The Beatles. They were like, yeah, it's okay. Okay, we'll do it. We're kind of this, with that. There was a lot of uh, misbehavior in the studio. Huh. He asked Eric Clapton to come in. Right. Because he knew that they all loved Eric Clapton. 
and they would be like very well behaved and they were oh so it was like a ploy to get them to get in line yep Wow. And then they. Because he was afraid to have Eric Clapton play because Eric Clapton was a great guitar player. Of course. George Harrison wasn't known as a great right, lead guitar was. player. Sure. He was. He was a great all around guitar player. Right. But Clapton was, as they say in England, God right. at the time. Yeah. So he knew bringing him in would just change the whole atmosphere. And I think now that you say that, I'm noticing that part of the reason why I love this song is because the live version of it at Crossroads with George and... Or, that was at Crossroads, right? Or, concert for George. The concert for George with Clapton playing guitar on that yeah. was the coolest. Yeah. It, that's one of the best they live also, performances. I'm sorry, they also did it at Bangladesh. Maybe that's what I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. George Harrison's concert for Bangladesh. Right. Because George yeah. had a few of those yeah. toward the end of his life. George played with Clapton uh, most of the time because George was a very reluctant live performer. Especially lead. Yeah, he didn't like to play lead live much, and he didn't like to play live much. I wonder why. He was very shy, very yeah. introverted guy. I guess that's part of the charm, though. Yeah. That's kind of why I like him. The, the My favorite concert of George was the one that I, I felt they should have made a video Clapton made him go back out after he was popular with the Cloud Nine album. This is his solo album? A solo album, Leet. I don't uh, know if the I've song heard it. When We Were Fab and Got My Mind Set on You. Okay. He that was his most popular time. And Clapton said, You gotta go out on tour. And he said, I, I can't. He says, I'll go with you. Wow. And they did. They went to Japan. And there's a recording. You can see some YouTube videos of the concert in Japan. And it was tremendous. Wow. So they were good friends. They were great friends. And they had that weird thing with the wife where... Talk, people don't know. Okay. So Eric Clapton was in love with George Harrison's wife. Who what was her name? Patty Boyd. Okay. So George got to the point where he was into his Indian thing and, and playing the sitar and doing all that kind of weird doing the uh, Indian weird, worship good, kind but, of stuff right and he was neglecting her right and Clapton loved her he fell in love with her and he asked her to be with him and she's no I can't I'm married to George I can't do that and he went to the point if, if you don't marry me I'm gonna do heroin and be a drug addict what she did life and she's yeah and he did and he wrote Layla for her wow and the whole album is about being in love with somebody else's wife. Yeah. And Harrison finally said, you can go. Really? Yeah. They divorced. She married Clapton, and Harrison was at the wedding. That is so... I don't even know what to say. The Beatles played at that <laughs> we at Harrison's, at Clapton's so wedding. Not only did he say, yeah, take my wife. No big deal. <laughs> but then he's like, can we play? Can we do a gig? <laughs> well, it wasn't a gig. It I know, was like but... they jammed. Yeah, but it's just so, what a weird situation. Yeah. And then Clapton wrote the whole Layla album. Um, the song Wonderful Tonight was about her. Jeez. The Beatles Something was about her. It's on my list. I'll go there next, I guess. I have her book. So wait, did, so did tremendous George, read. Really? Yeah. I'll have to borrow it. Did George write something? Yeah. So he wrote that song? Yeah. Well, that's on my list, so it's no wonder. So I really like George Harrison more than I even knew. <laughs> 
I don't even know what to say about that. That's profound, but it's very <laughs> ridiculous. It is. It's totally ridiculous. <laughs> but, there, but it was also the late '60s, early '70s. I just think and it's these cool. were the top echelon musicians in the world. I say it's cool because I think their stories are just so yeah. tied and connected yeah. that you can't tell one without the other. Yeah. And a lot of people probably don't know this. I don't know. We'll find out when they yeah. listen. But to me, that's like it speaks to their relationship because. If it was some random guy, yeah. George wasn't just going to say to his wife, yeah, go, I don't care. Right. But it was they're so tight-knit mm -hmm. and they're best friends and he just, they understood each other. All three of them probably. Yeah. There's something beautiful about it, but also very twisted and weird. <laughs> there was a lot of twisted stuff. Yeah. It was like George actually slept with Ringo's wife. Oh, During wow. that period when they were still married. It's no wonder that And Ringo's wife and Patty were best friends. Oh, Jesus. So it was like, wow. Yeah, it, it just between all of that and then fighting with each other as the band goes on and George yeah. and Paul power struggle and releasing 10 albums in a seven year span. Yeah. And it's like people wonder why they broke up and you're like, hello, you don't you're not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, this is why. So they burned bright and fizzled out. And that's yeah. just is what it is. Their lives went into totally different directions. They weren't calm enough to say, all right, let's go our other ways, but still be the Beatles. Let's do this and do that. They were all jealous of each other. Do you think they would be as popular now if they continued on? You are one of the biggest, I don't want to say biggest yeah. critics of Paul McCartney, but you don't love his stuff generally. Not, not even as much as I do. Not in the last few years, no. Not even as much as I do, and we talk about it all the time. Do you think the Beatles probably would have just became that? No, I think they would have continued and been very creative. I think they would have been more of John Lennon, songs with the other three playing right paul mccartney songs with the other three but you think playing. that would have been possible the white album is exactly that yeah yeah the white album they were all like not really together oh wow ringo quit during that album at some point he just walked out because he wasn't included is that the last in anything one? no no let it be was the last one it was the last one released right they recorded let it be to try to get back to the old style band yeah and then there was so much crap with the movie and everything that they handed it over to phil Spector, and he put violins and horns and everything on but it it kind of made it awesome it did but at the same time it wasn't what they wanted no. so they said let's get back together and do a real album with george martin and they did every road trouble is all the time it took to produce that Let It Be and change it and everything. It took longer. It came out after Abbey Road. So people think that Let It Be was their last album. So it actually went White Album, Let It Be, Let It Be, Abbey Road. Yes, which makes total sense. Yeah. Abbey Road, because, I mean, the last song, In the End. Yeah, right, because they planned <laughs> on it being the end. Yes. Yeah, so they had this script written out for how they wanted the band to stop, mm -hmm. and then... It just didn't happen that way because Phil Spector was because, doing Because, yeah. Plus the movie. They wanted to produce the movie and the album at the same time. I wanna, I don't, I, we're going on long, so sure. I, I just want to tell people the Beatles movies are really cool. Uh, they're cheesy now, <laughs> yeah. but Help, uh, Yellow Submarine is different. Magical Mystery Tour. Am I missing anything? Uh, let it be. Yeah. Which you'll come back as Get Back now with yeah. Peter Jackson. Which comes producing. out this summer. Yes. Oh, yeah. shit. We're going to have to do 100 episodes <laughs> because now we planned on doing a music one and we wanted to do that too. Okay. Well, let's keep going on sure. your top five. I already gave three of mine yesterday while my guitar gently weeps and we touched on something because it was written by right. George Harrison. So that's enough. 
yeah. what do you have? So earliest song that I like the most. See, I'm a person who doesn't like the big singles. Right. Same. I like the other stuff. Yeah, you've given that to me. Yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, the, from the first album, the song called It Won't Be Long. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The reason I like it so much is because of the harmony, yeah. back and forth, and in the verses, there's a descending scale, ah. which I can't resist in any song. Okay. It's in a million songs that you love. It's just up your alley. It's just down, 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 down. Yeah. You know, I love that. Did you choose this because... I'm not saying you don't like it, yeah. but you wanted to find an early era Beatles song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of how I went through my list too. My my next favorite is Help. Okay, because it was. So you have a lot of early ones. Yeah. Well, how well, a little later? I guess. Let's see. You're talking in '63. It won't Pepper. be long. Yeah, Help was '65. Okay. So it was two years later. It was almost like a folk rock yeah. type of thing, but it was also. A real cry for help. He was seriously, he called it his Fat Elvis period. Uh, John. Yeah. Yeah. When he was like, he didn't know what his life was going to be. He said, help, I don't know what I'm it doing. It was real. Yeah. yeah. He had he had a lot of psychological issues, John. Yeah, that's a lot and of artists. And he wore him on I his mean, sleeve where everybody kept it in. That's kind of what it needed to be. Yeah. And that's kind of why he fizzled out in the end because he got so far into that part. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, he got killed, but... But even his last album was the same. That's what I'm saying. It would have gone further down But his last road. album was, it's okay now. Right. I'm back. Yeah. I'm back to being a person again. Yeah. It's getting got better. through the yeah. things. Watching he, the wheels go round and round. Yeah, I'm just sitting here watching the rest of the world right. go, I'm okay. It, but that's part of the story. It kind of felt like he was at peace when he died. It didn't make it better, but also he was, yeah. Kind of felt like you have was to a know his history end. to understand what was going on. Yeah. In '75, uh, when he did the Walls and Bridges album, he was wild, and Yoko threw him out. Right. And he went to Los Angeles and hung out with Keith Moon and Harry Nilsson and Ringo well. Starr, and they all just got drunk and belligerent. He was thrown out of bars consistently. And he tried to, to be make, there, though. Tried to make <laughs> it was the lost weekend. So that was, went on for a couple of years, and then he asked to come home, and Yoko said, "Okay." And when he came home, then they had the baby, right? And he said, "I'm done Julian. with the music. I'm staying home to raise my son." Which is what Hey Jude is about. Uh, two things. I find it funny how you said you like the deep tracks, and then you said help. That's ridiculous. That means you must love help. Is well, what I'm well, saying. Well, also because. Well, that was the first Beatle movie I saw. My aunt and uncle in yeah. Manhattan took me to the Manhattan premiere of Help. So that always stuck with me. Totally. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. It's just funny that you just said yeah. that and then you chose one of the more popular ones. And secondly, I almost put on this list just for a laugh, yeah. uh, Bare Naked Ladies, Yoko Ono. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah. not a Beatles song, but obviously it's the most hilarious okay, thing I got in two the more. Okay, go. Um, from Rubber Soul, You Won't See Me. I like that song. That is Paul at his best. You think? The bass line. To me, I've always loved his bass playing. Sure. But that was the first bass line where it was totally melodic and leading the song. Yeah. Not part of the song. Right. It was the song. That's how a lot of that era, Rubber Soul, Revolver, yeah. right. a bunch of those albums were really, hey, Paul can really lead. Why are and George doesn't want to lead. Right. This is the way we should have been doing it the whole time. Yeah. And it feels like they finally figured that out. 
and he really got wild with it. Yeah. That's where Come Together comes from and yeah. all this kind of— And sometimes the other guys in the band resented that. You think so? Yep. Absolutely. Why? Because they felt yeah. like he was showing off? Yes. But that's bullshit. They, because he it's was better taking for the over. Everything was about Paul and his bass. And yeah, yeah, I, it's jealousy. It, it happens. But that's why I feel like they were destined to not be together because yeah. it couldn't have stayed. John and Paul couldn't both be the alphas. Yeah. There's well, no way to do it. Well, they could have, but those those first few years, from '63 to '66, they were together 24/7. It was them against the world. Yeah. When '67 came about. And everything started changing. They each got their own lives. Right. So now the band wasn't as important. True. And their connections weren't as close because they all had different experiences. Yeah. So you have to drift. It's just the struggle of, of being around this long. And that's why we talk about this all the time yeah. about bands that are still around, like the Rolling Stones now or something. Yeah. And you're always like a little more critical than me, I think, which is fair because you grew up with them and you, you want them yeah. to still be the other thing. And what I always say is... It's unbelievable that they're still even together and not killing each other and putting stuff it out. It is. It so is So it's both things. Yeah. It can still be disappointing, but that's another episode that we'll eventually get to. You have one more? Yes. She's Leaving Home from Sgt. Pepper. Oh, wow. To me, musically, it's not the Beatles because it's, it's, a, it's a soundtrack. He had an orchestrator. As a matter of fact, George Martin wasn't available because he had a recording session with Scylla Black, who was also on his label. Okay. So he couldn't make it. Paul said, I'm not waiting. I'm getting somebody else. Really? Yeah, so he hired a different guy to conduct the orchestra hmm. and to arrange it. And George Martin was pissed. I'm sure. But this song was probably the most emotional song the Beatles ever did. You think so? You have to listen to it. I'm gonna go back. And uh, I've just I watch. I'm in the habit of watching reaction videos. <laughs> yeah. On and YouTube. now that they're so popular, a lot of them are fake. Yeah. But you can tell when it's real. And I've seen a couple of real ones, and people listen to this, and they literally are almost in tears. Yeah. The fact that the songwriting of a bunch of 25 year olds right has that kind of depth that they can understand what a parent feels like 50 years when later. their grown child leaves home right it's amazing yes agreed that's a good one we actually had none of the same ones uh which uh, we could do this list i, 10 I could do times. a top five of each album yeah for you. exactly yeah i'm sure and on different days it'll probably be different agreed i had two more get back yeah. I love that song Great song I think I love it Because It's the end mm -hmm. It's the video On the roof it's, Oh yeah It's short But it's sweet And it's cool groove And it just represents More than the song to me It's just Yeah This is the true end It of was what they were It was Except it, Again it wasn't Because I know. They, they realized that Didn't work out The way they wanted Chronologically so they went back. Not yes. the end But emotionally and physically, it felt like when they were on that rooftop, they all knew, the four of them yeah. knew, this isn't going to be the same ever. And it was it was not only the end, it was the first time they've played together live. In years. In uh, four years. Yeah, exactly. So th I don't know if it's the song or yeah. the story, but the combination of the two for oh, me. Oh, it's amazing. Awesome. And then In My Life is my fifth one. Yeah. I don't have much crazy to say about that, but same reason you just said yours. It's more on the emotional side. Yeah. And slower, but not as cheesy as Hey Jude and some of those. Yeah. Which isn't, I'm not hating on that song, but it's a little more, um, I guess, like the deep cut thing that yeah. you were saying. 
As as you say, I'm a Paul McCartney guy. Yep, my top five was three Lennons and two McCartneys. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I had more Harrisons than I expected when yeah. I made the list. But... I wanted the medley from Abbey Road as my f- top favorite. Ah, uh, except it's not really a song. Yeah, it's a track. It's it's a it's a bunch of songs spliced together. Yeah, which to me was amazing. Amazing, but it's not a song. I do want to wrap. I had a million things written down. I wanted to talk about Zeppelin, and then I wanted to mention Greta Van Fleet because we've had this argument three times in the last month. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that album. Then I wanted to talk about... I-, I was wondering who my favorite band is because I knew yours was the Beatles, and that's why I wanted to do this, and it probably changes every day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If I had a gun to my head right now, I might say Queen. That's, I, a, that's a top on my list. Yeah, I yeah. really just love them. I, I don't know how to narrow it down. So f- for lack of a better option, I'm going to say them. I wanted to touch on Outkast because <laughs> you don't really love hip-hop. I really yeah. love hip-hop. But that, since a young age, I feel like either you faked it because I liked it. No, or, not at all. Or that was just the one that found a footing for you. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, the sa- In the same way that Roots... Yes, the roots. does. Because they're musical. Because it's funky. It's funky and it's more musical than the average hip-hop stuff is. That's my favorite hip-hop yeah. stuff, too. I don't think we're dissimilar in yeah, that I, way. I like hip-hop. I don't necessarily like rap. I, I hear that. That's the difference. I think you, like myself, belong in 90s hip-hop and not contemporary hip-hop. Yes. It was always more fun. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't think we're too far off. We can touch on that in the next episode if we oh, do another definitely. one. I did want to do concerts we've seen and concerts we want to see. So I guess to wrap it up, we'll do favorite concert we've been to together. We've been to a hundred of them probably. And then one that we want to see, I will say one that I want to see before all of them die. I would love to be able to go see Queen, even if Freddie's dead, uh, Adam Lambert or whoever the hell is singing. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. If we could get to that, it'd be very yeah. cool. I've seen Queen with Freddie. Yeah. So yeah, I, I have an, that advantage of age. I know. But... I would still love to see them. It would be very cool. So that's one for me. Who would you want to see that we haven't seen together? If you asked me 10 years ago, it would have been McCartney, but I don't want to see McCartney today no. because I just don't feel Although we there. would go, but I don't think it would be. I wouldn't go. I you would don't not. think so? No. If they gave me free you tickets, I would not go. Okay, fair enough. I, I would just feel like it's just don't ruin that image for me. So I should return your birthday gift? <laughs> no. Okay, come up with one. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Off the top of your head. Yeah, Could off the top of my head. Oh, I know uh, it's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. I'm putting you on the spot. This Rolling Stones, the Moody Blues are out now. I like older acts, I got to admit. Would, Rolling Stones is an option? Rolling Stones, but they don't do anything But you don't feel the I same like way anymore. about McCartney as they, you would go see them? Rolling Stones? Yeah. No. No, okay. no. So then, that's I not just the because they they're not a band per se. They're Keith Richards and Mick Jagger. I'm gonna give with you the backing the, band. I'm gonna give you the answer that yeah. I think you will agree with, yeah. but it's off the wall. If we could go see Anderson Pock together, I think you would really like that. I would really like that. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. If if the the oh, whole Bruno Mars with oh, Anderson Pock. Sonic. Yes, yeah. that I would love okay. to see. Maybe we can get tickets to. And that. probably the best concert we've seen. Together, maybe, was the Stevie Wonder. I said the same thing. Yeah. It has to be. And we've already done it. Stevie Wonder at the Garden was unbelievable. It was. Because he did the whole songs in the key of life. And it was just perfect. It was. But also, Jeff Beck was... Two different sides of of music. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Chili Peppers I loved. Oh, yeah. 
Bare Naked Ladies. We've uh, we've been to a lot of good stuff. Yeah, Kid Rock. <laughs> I saw my first pair of boobs. <laughs> Hopefully, mom puts earmuffs on when she listens to that part. Anyway, this was super fun. We'll do it again. Hopefully, everyone likes it. Tell me if you do, and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks for having me. No problem. You should have said thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'll go thank mom in the other room. That was, for lack of a better term, fucking cool, dude. We had such a great time. I think we did. He said he did, and I definitely did. I'm just thankful that we got to do it. And like I said, if you guys enjoyed this episode, we talk about a ton of things, a lot of music, but everything else. And uh, we would probably love to do more together anytime I'm out with him. So we might do that. Let me know. Again, at the link underscore podcast, leave some comments, give me some likes, give me some something so I know that you enjoyed it. Truth be told, I don't know if I'd be doing this podcast without him and my mom, for that matter, who wouldn't do the podcast, but everyone should convince her to do it because it would be really fun. So leave some comments saying you want Barbara to do it because that would be fun. Yeah, I just, every time there's something wrong, I'm like, what's going on? Give me some expertise on something. And we work through it and here we are recording every week. So thank you for that to my dad. Thank you for doing it. Thank you guys for listening. Secret code word for anyone who has listened to this point will be John Cena, because my dad picked You Won't See Me, and that's close enough for people who know what I'm talking about. So, yeah, John Cena, post some stuff about it, all right? Uh, hmm. What else do I have to say? Oh. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves, and I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>